Hello and welcome back to the IDC Tech Talk podcast. My name is Miles Dawson, I am your host today, and uh, today we're going to be revisiting an earlier topic from our little mini-series of COVID-19 impact podcasts we've been doing, and we're going to be looking back at the device and consumer technology market. So for this, I'm very lucky to have three guests with me today, all of whom have been on the podcast before, so I'm very happy to welcome them back. Um, Can I please welcome Simon Baker? Hello. Melini Paul? Hello. And Liam Hall? Hello. Fantastic. So um, COVID has and continues to be at the forefront of uh, most device discussions, but um, its impacts have been quite different between PC and mobile. So Simon, I'd like to ask you first, how has the mobile market fared in the month since we uh, first visited this topic? Um, Well, this has really been a momentous year. There's never really been a year uh, like it in the phone market to date. I think that's probably a modest comment to make. Um, at the very beginning of the year, uh, we were worried when the the first news came in from China about the outbreak of coronavirus. It seems a very long time already to most of us now, I'm sure, um, that there would be major disruption issues and that the big issue for the, for the first half of the year, at least, would be that there just wouldn't be enough production to satisfy demand um, in Western Europe and other countries of the, of the world. Of course, that seems somewhat ironic now. Um, but actually what happened was that the China got its act to back together again very quickly. Um, and the first quarter of the year, as far as European smartphone market was concerned, was actually pretty strong, um, down a little bit compared with the same same quarter last year, but nothing very much. And not many of the vendors reported that they were having difficulty in fulfilling orders. But then clearly uh, what happened in, in February and, and, and particularly in March was that the as the, the virus spread outside China and lockdowns began in European countries, the issue moved very quickly from being one of production to being one of demand. Um, and therefore, there's been a, a massive drop, obviously, in the uh, deliveries in the second quarter. There are obviously logistics issues as well. A lot of um, the air fleet that was available, a lot of flights were being grounded, but a lot of the air fleet that was available was actually moving in medical supplies. And so the cost of air freight um, went up a lot. Um, but the, the the key problem was just that there wasn't the demand anymore. Um, and that continued through into uh, May, of course. And then as the lockdowns began to uh, be phased out or to be made um, less severe. Um, We've seen brick and mortar shops coming back open um, and we begin to see consumer uh, appetite for going out and buying things increase. But we're only really at the early stages of that, to be honest. So um, we're not at the end of the first half yet, though we're not far off it. Um, It's still difficult to say just how big the drop has been overall in in the second quarter of the year, but it's certainly been very big compared with uh, any drops we've seen historically, for instance, in the financial crisis of 2008 to 2009. And where do you think has been hit hardest in terms of a region or a micro region? Well, I think, you know, the uh, the overall economic indicators uh, tell you a lot. Um, Italy, Spain, UK, um, Russia, for instance, as well. These have all been countries where um, the coronavirus has been very serious. The lockdowns have been uh, long and fairly stringent um, and the effects on GDP are very significant. So they're the countries that are likely to have suffered most in terms of the market. 
Okay, so have there been any bright spots, any any kind of positive news at all? In I, the first half? I think we all need some bright news, don't we, for coronavirus, because <laughs> uh, most of the news has been pretty bad. Well, I suppose that, that, that China managed to keep its production going um, was a bright spot, and some other parts of the world as well, where there's a lot of production, like South Korea and Vietnam, have also managed to keep their um, volumes going. Um, uh, one other thing which were, were, was was quite noticeable in the first quarter was that Apple did well, and um, particularly in Western Europe, um, consumers seem to think it as a, a known product. And with the iPhone 11 series already having been on the market, people having been able to see them, there were the online orders for those were pretty strong. Um, it was for Android brands which suffered more. Mm, so you think it's, it's because it was a safe and familiar brand, so they don't have to go and physically go to the store to actually pick it up and look at it. They know them well enough that they can. Yes, we, we think that was probably the main reason. Clearly, um, the the early months of the year for some other brands, for instance, Samsung with the S20, but some of the Chinese brands are months in which new models are launched um, and consumers want to go out and see those and, and handle them and make up their mind perhaps before they buy online. Um, the iPhones were already available. And so we think that's one reason Apple did better. Absolutely. Thank you, Simon. I'd like to bring Malini into the conversation and say, is it the same for PC? So interestingly, COVID-19 had a positive effect on the PC and tablet market demand uh, in Europe. But the key question is how, because all we hear is how companies are struggling to survive amidst a COVID lockdown, let alone buying computing devices. I mean, clearly lockdown has adversely affected many businesses across. A few examples are aviation, passenger transport, hospitality, non-food and non-pharma retailers, uh, manufacturing, automotive, which were uh, worst hit immediately. Now, the severity of impact also varied by size of businesses. Now, on the flip side, healthcare and related manufacturing, public space, food and pharma retailers, banking and finance, education, and, and many other uh, such uh, industries are either thriving or dealing with the crisis situation. And so if you take those effects um, from those industries there, how do they correlate with strength or weakness in, in the PC and uh, consumer device markets? Yes, so uh, now when we relate this lockdown status to the PCD market, we see a huge surge in demand driven by those businesses which resisted the immediate negative impact. And interestingly, they realized that PCs are a pivotal part of their business continuity plan. Now, under the confinement period, uh, these companies started to equip their employees with laptops to enable work working from home. Uh, parallelly, education space also witnessed a similar approach where either governments, or schools or parents provided students with laptops or tablets, uh, in fact, to enable schooling from home. Now, another obvious vertical driving demand, what we have seen uh, outside the work or study from home demand has been healthcare, as several hospitals across different countries had to improve their digital infrastructure in the middle of the heavy patient load during the pandemic. Absolutely. So thank you, Melanie. That was super helpful and really interesting about how that links with the future of work and how important the humble laptop has been to everybody during this lockdown period, right? Absolutely. Um, definitely, definitely. So um, Liam, um, I'd like to bring you in as well and ask you uh, about the consumer space. What do you think about that? Sure. Yeah. So historically, the consumer space hasn't exactly been a thriving part of the PC market. It's mature with relatively high saturation. 
And as many devices are increasingly being used as basic media consumption devices, renewals have been pushed back and product life cycles have been extending. Uh, looking into the first quarter of 2020, these trends have actually been exacerbated slightly. So consumer spending was a lot more conscious amid the ongoing pandemic, and a lot of these PC renewals were relegated to a needs basis, uh, particularly among stationary devices, so your desktops, which have been prioritised further down the queue than notebooks. There are still pockets of growth in the consumer market in the first quarter. Uh, Chromebooks, for example, saw some really strong growth. We've had a lot of feedback. They've been flying off the shelves in several countries. And we think this may very well be linked to their attractive price points, as well as something Malini mentions, their expansion into education, which increases their traction among students. Uh, one other thing, of course, is gaming, which is an area we've seen a huge spike in demand. These widespread lockdowns have created a real need for alternative sources of entertainment and can also act as a great way of socialising with your friends from the safety of your home. And to be honest, that last point there is quite pertinent with me. So I don't know about anyone else here, but I started off doing a lot of weekly Zoom calls with my friends to keep my social life up and running. But there are only so many Zoom quizzes you can do before they get a little bit stale. And I like to have a bit, a bit more fresh and engaging medium to, to bond with my friends. But uh, overall on the consumer market, just as lockdowns giveth, the broader implications of the pandemic taketh away. So although overall gaming growth has been quite high in demand, it was overall dampened by the supply constraints that's been mentioned by my colleagues. No, I, I, I'm right with you there, Liam. Um, the number of Zoom calls and other um, you know, video conferencing calls that we've been doing, <laughs> it pushes <laughs> it quite extremely. The other, the other item I think uh, has, has that uh, has definitely taken a bit of a hit in terms of supply has been the Nintendo Switch. I think that thing is basically made out of gold at the moment. If you can actually manage to get a hold of one, so overall, then quite different performances for the two categories. Um, Simon, I'd like to bring you back in. And um, does this trend extend to the outlook? What, what, what happens if looking forward well i think now in this these the, the couple of weeks that are happening right now um a lot of people are going back into shops again for the for the first time for quite a while and a, a sense of novelty about oh i can actually go into a shop um which doesn't just sell food and so there is some delayed purchasing going on uh, and we're pretty sure about that and we have some 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 evidence that um, figures for may um are going to be quite a lot better than those for april in in some countries um however however you know you have to think about the overall context and clearly most of the economic um, news coming out at the moment about Europe is not very good. Um, there are so many um, items about planned or actually already happening job losses, um, not just in the, the, the industries that have wor been worst hit like airlines, etc., but knock-on effects in other industries. And in that sort of economic uh, situation, um, we think money's going to be pretty tight for a lot of people through the year. Um, and so we're not expecting the delayed purchase phenomenon to really last that long, nor are we expecting it to sustain sales to bring an overall figure for the whole year, which is as high as last year. In fact, we think it'll be considerably lower. There'll obviously be quite a lot of um, differences between European countries, um, but for the continent as a whole, um, we are pretty cautious actually for the second half. And will that be the same as the um, historical effects then that you know, the, the countries that have been hit the worst by the pandemic in Western Europe will likely be the ones that where the outlook is not as not as yes i think so i mean the, the latest economic figures that i've been seeing on gdp suggest that the economic hit in the worst hit countries of which italy spain 
um, uh, and Britain would be among them, is a lot more severe than in the countries where the effect has been least severe. Um, some of these are smaller countries seem to have got their lockdowns in place earlier. Um, they therefore didn't have to tighten further because the number of cases didn't increase that much, etc. Um, but we also need to take into account, of course, that the countries which um, had the most serious effect generally have put in place economic measures to kind of push the pain down the road a bit, so to speak, to mix metaphors. Um, and therefore, the effect may kind of roll out um, in terms of unemployment and spending through a number of quarters. It won't be that those countries necessarily feel all the pain in before the end of the year. It could be something that happens through into 2021 as well. That's actually my, um, was going to be my next question, actually, was uh, how long do you think this slowdown will continue and how long do you think it will go on for? Yeah, and I was hoping that I wouldn't have to answer too precisely about that one I asked because, <laughs> it's always you know, obviously, yes, well, but obviously it's this question of, you know, the second wave, isn't it? Um, they're, they're just hoping that the, the infection rates, R number, et cetera, doesn't go up to such a level that they will have to reimpose uh, extensive lockdowns in the autumn. So, um, but we kind of have to factor that some level of reintroduction of measures into our figures, I think. Um, we are expecting um, Apple to continue to do well in Western Europe, and um, it introduces its new model ranges towards the end of the year. They might be a bit late this year. They might be into the fourth quarter rather than the third quarter. That's the industry gossip. Um, but separate from that, we're really not looking at overall markets, really getting back into their stride, I think, into well into perhaps the second half of 2021. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you, Simon, for that fantastic overview there. Um, I'd like to bring Malini back into the conversation and ask uh, about the PC. So if we're looking forward, um, do you think see similar strength as we saw in Q1 for the PC market? I'll tell you a secret, Miles. We are even expecting a stronger Q2 for PC shipments, a plus 5.6% growth year over year in Europe. And this is the most interesting part. I mean, despite a strong demand in Q1, which we have seen, a supply chain was constrained, as um, Simon mentioned earlier, due to the Chinese factory closures and disrupted logistics under lockdown. This eventually created huge backlogs for many OEMs, which will be fulfilled in Q2, and it will be one of the key drivers of Q2's growth. However, we have to bear in mind that uh, demand has started to slow down since May. Uh, for PCs and tablets. Therefore, inventory buildup is also imminent in, in the channels. Now, segueing into the second half of 2020, the market is expected to slow down, clearly. Recession, unemployment, weak and unstable oil prices, and weak local currencies will drive a drop in demand, primarily driven by the lower end of the segments, like small and medium businesses. Mm, absolutely. Um, and Liam, uh, can I bring you in as well from the consumer side? Um, similar strength or do you think it's going to taper, taper off? Uh, yeah, so the consumer space exists under the same macroeconomic conditions that Malini's outlined there. So I think the backlogs are going to have a huge impact on Q2 growth. So one thing that we're quite certain on is that Q2 in the consumer space is going to be very strong, particularly for notebooks. So we've seen an ongoing transition towards mobile form factors, and that's only been accelerated by this pandemic. With classes being held online, there's been a need to equip students with the means to, to attend from home. And with everyone at home simultaneously, we've seen that single device households have seen unprecedented levels of competition over this one device. So they're finally turning to purchasing more devices to avoid the inevitable arguments. 
which I'm sure is one thing we can agree no one needs during a lockdown. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, the, the same applies for, for gaming. So the lockdown dates have varied by country, but it seems that March, April and May have been the key months across the Western European region. So the high demand combined with the strong backlog in Q1 paints a very optimistic picture going into Q2. And if we just look at some of the evidence of this high demand over the last few months, we just need to look at uh, data from things like uh, Steam and Twitch. So I believe Steam keeps breaking record concurrent users. It reached 23 million in March, and that's only gone up in April and May. And Twitch um, have had major spikes in viewership. I think it was something like more than 3 billion hours were watched in Q1, which is just an incomprehensible figure to me. That's amazing. And yeah. uh, funnily enough, we're actually recording this in the morning of of June the 11th, which is um, Sony's PlayStation conference will happen later today, where we will hear about the PS5 and the next gen conference and the next gen console. Obviously, Microsoft have already announced quite a bit about the Xbox Series S, but we're going to be um, keen to see what happens later today. Uh, Liam, I think you'd agree. Yeah, I can't wait to see the more details they're going to announce. And, and that comes on to my second point, looking into the, the, uh, the later part of the forecast, as in the Q4 outlook for gaming. Um, of course, we are going to see the impact of the economic downturn on consumer sentiment and buying power. But I also do think there's going to be quite a strong impact from the, the console launches. So now that it's been confirmed that it is going to be a seasonal uh, Q4 launch, Q4, Q1, we're going to see a lot of consumers start to budget their already constrained budgets um, and delegate between uh, PC and console. And I know a lot of people are going to say there's the PC versus console war, but I'm fairly confident there's a pretty sizable overlap of gamers who own both. And that's both the hardcore, I must play every game possible, and also the more casual console first gamers who want to try out some of these PC exclusives. Definitely. And um, it, we wouldn't have our little gaming corner, Liam, if I didn't ask you about uh, the cloud gaming, particularly with uh, with Stadia and uh, similar other pro um, similar other platforms. Um, have they been able to take advantage of the lockdown? Um, yeah, we can't not cover cloud, can we? Um, so lockdowns have definitely offered a really strong opportunity for cloud gaming, uh, especially among these furloughed consumers who are time rich but cash poor and might not have the capital to invest in a powerful gaming computer. Uh, while lockdowns are at their peak in some of the aforementioned months, um, there are actually free offerings from both Google Stadia, uh, that was back in April, and I know that NVIDIA GeForce Now have had a free offering during their entire launch. And this has enabled many consumers to test out cloud gaming for the first time. But this has been a bit of a double-edged sword, I, I believe. So as a fast and stable internet connection is required for an adequate experience, especially within competitive games, uh, the congestion rates uh, driven by these lockdowns may have impacted user experience. So if we're to assume a standard contention ratio of 50 to 1, which is what it's like for broadband in the UK, which essentially means that you share a connection with 49 people, you can begin to imagine the impact lockdowns have had on the connection speeds. So while congestion might not have a major discernible impact on streaming TV like Netflix, it can really take you out of the immersion of a game or make anything competitive quite literally unplayable. So active users have definitely arisen as a result of the lockdowns for cloud gaming. But will their first impressions dissuade them from returning? That's something we have to wait and see. Mm, absolutely. And uh, I, I completely agree about the, the bandwidth congestion. I've had a few uh, uh, choice words with my internet service provider on Twitter over the past couple of weeks <laughs> as a result of me and my wife both being on um, video calls at the same time. And uh, it's always a bit of a struggle. So mm. look, uh, thank you all so much for 
that fantastic overview. I'd like to ask for a few final thoughts or key takeaways. Um, if we can start with Malini and work our way through. Malini, go ahead. Yes, so I'll cover the PC and tablet part. So what we have seen in uh, until now that there is bleak outlook in the second half of 2020 for PC and tablets. But it is quite clear that PCs will continue to play a pivotal role in the future digital transformation processes. Although the current unprecedented demand of laptops that we have seen for work from home and study from home situation is being touted as one time COVID bump in many countries, the pandemic has already begun to further accelerate the transition towards mobility adoption, which had already begun in the past, but it kind of the, the COVID-19 was kind of a push, uh, further push towards uh, the trend. And as companies want to be prepared for similar crisis situation in the future, they will include more and more laptops and tablets in their portfolio while placing orders. Now, education is one of the key segments. Uh, to witness the fastest growth in laptop and tablet adoption as governments are clearly ramping up uh, to equip students for virtual classroom setup. Thank you, Malini. And Liam, do you want to go next? Yeah, quite consistent trends on the consumer space as well. I think uh, the key thing to take away from this is um, acceleration towards existing trends. So towards uh, mobile form factors away from stationary and uh, an increase in the smaller pockets of growth being Chrome and gaming. Brilliant. And Simon? Um, I think people are going to want m more value for, for money. We've seen some trends in, in Western Europe in particular in the last couple of years for people to buy more expensive devices. Um, and we were expecting that to happen in CE as, as incomes there rose. Um, we think the, the, the number one effect of this crisis in terms of the phone market will be that people will again buy cheaper products and that trend um, towards more expensive devices is going to slow at least for a while. Um, some vendors have been trying to launch hyper expensive super premium devices at over a thousand pounds um they're not selling very well um so i think that's you know uh, in terms of the, the the business it's going to become tougher android was already very tough um it's going to become tougher um but i think you know i'd like to finish on a kind of very general point i think we should all be very grateful that we have these devices pcs um uh, and phones whether we use them for work purposes or for our entertainment in gaming etc um because let's face it, let's think what this crisis would have been like um, if we didn't have them. Um, so many more companies would have um, not been able to function um, and it would have been much more cataclysmic in terms of just our daily lives and, and getting through it all. So um, thank you, the um, ICT industry, really. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I think we can all agree with that, Simon. And uh, I'd like to thank everyone uh, for listening today. And uh, I'm afraid that is all the time we have for today but i would like to thank uh, malini simon and liam as well for helping us out um perhaps you've got some views dear listener we'd love to hear them uh, please get in touch find us out on uh, we're on twitter we're on soundcloud we're on linkedin we'd love to hear your opinions and viewpoints and fire some questions over for the analysts as well they love to get uh, to get involved with this conversation and um give you some uh, some further points and please do subscribe to the podcast we are releasing more content about the pandemic as time goes on so please look out for it and uh, no, thank you very much i wish you all good health and uh, i'll see you next time <laughs>